Welcome to Where You Lead, a podcast where we, a real-life mother and daughter duo, rewatch Gilmore Girls and discuss the misadventures of fictional mother and daughter duo Lorelai and Rory Gilmore. I am Tessa Dare, a writer and the author of the paranormal mystery series The Karans and Chronicles, and Beth's daughter. And I'm Beth, Tessa's mom and fellow culture critic, writer, and lover of all things Gilmore Girls, as well as a few other things like Star Trek and Harry Potter. We have been joined at the hip, much like Lorelai and Rory, for just a little over three decades. I should also warn listeners that I am likely to slip up, much as Lorelai might, and call Tess by her birth name, but my goal is to follow her lead. And every week, we will start off with a synopsis of the episode, along with the date it aired, before heading into our discussion. So, let's begin. Okay, so... Today, in our first podcast, we are discussing the pilot for the Gilmore Girls. This is where almost everything about the show gets set up in a mere 40 or so minutes. The pilot originally aired on the WB on October 5th, 2000, starred Lauren Graham as Lorelai and Alexis Bledel as Rory. It moved to the CW, and the final episode aired on May 15th, 2007. So a very basic synopsis of the episode. Um, we get introduced to Rory and Lorelai, a mother and daughter duo, a, a quick-witted mother and daughter duo. Uh, Lorelai is uh, quite young. Um, it is, we learn pretty quickly that she was 16 when she gave birth to Rory and that her decision to raise Rory on her own caused a bit of a rift between her and her parents and things between them have been icy ever since. The big event of the pilot is that Rory gets accepted into the private school Chilton, a prestigious school that she very much wants to go to, but which is expensive. Too expensive for Lorelai to be able to completely afford up front on her own. Uh, Lorelai manages an inn and is very good at her job, but she is not particularly wealthy. Makes enough money to, to for them to get by, but Chilton is just a little bit out of reach, thus causing the crisis of the episode. How are they going to figure out how to pay for Chilton? Which leads them directly to really the only answer. Lorelai has to go to the parents that she kind of hates to ask them for money, specifically for a loan. She very much plans to pay them back. Lorelai's wealthy, old money parents agree, but her mother has one condition. She wants them back in her life. She wants them to come to weekly dinners, and she wants a weekly phone call from Lorelai with updates on Rory's life and her own life. The episode then ends with the first of these Friday dinners, wherein we discover exactly why Lorelai is so reluctant for this uh, situation. <laughs> it does not yeah. go particularly well for her. All right, so that that's kind of our, our basic summary of the plot of the episode. Uh, so let's get into the meat of it. We Good, good synopsis, by the way. <laughs> thank you. We open on a shot of Stars Hollow. 
uh, complete with a cute little purple sign that says Stars Hollow. Stars Hollow is the name of the picturesque uh, small town that they live in. I do love Stars Hollow. It's a very Hollywood small town. Everything is super cute, and it's defined by all the quirky characters that live there, many of whom we do Mm. get introduced to in this first episode. Uh, It's a very traditional small town where everybody knows everybody. Yes. And everybody knows everybody's business. Yes. So sometimes they know everybody's business before the people know their own business. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's... it's very, it's a very tropish kind of small town, but it, it, uh, the opening scene does set the tone for the rest of the show. There's also a song playing, and I don't know what the song, who the singer is, but the, the line that I wrote down was, there she goes racing through my brain. Oh, yeah. Is in the, is in the opening song. So, <laughs> and, the, and as that, as that line plays, Lorelai is walking across and walking into another one of our major sets or scenes, I guess. Mm-hmm. What would you call that? Not a set, but set, I guess. It's, yeah, set um, piece. So, yeah. Set piece, yeah. Luke Steiner. Yes, Luke so Steiner. So she, she walks into to Luke Steiner and the first scene happens. And it, again, set the, it shows how smart um, Lorelai and Rory are. And I may be getting ahead a little bit here, but they are almost always the smartest people in the room. Yeah. At least that's that's the way I, I feel about them. Um, but there's a guy in sure. the in the in Luke Steiner who tries to pick to pick Lorelai up. Yes. Also we and... we get introduced to Lorelai's coffee addiction pretty much right away. Oh yeah. She goes yeah. in yeah. begging Luke for coffee. He asks her how many cups she's had already and she says five. But she still wants five. five. <laughs> and it's early in the day. Yes, coffee is another character in the show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then and then she gets um, hit on by this guy who does not understand her Jack Kerouac reference. No, yeah, she he travels a lot. She says, "Oh, you're a regular Jack Kerouac." He doesn't get it. Nope. But that does also set up Lorelai's intellect and her wit. And you know, Jack Kerouac is somebody not everybody knows. Yeah. But Lorelai does, and you know, she was a high school dropout, so I think that says something about her. Anyway, he sits down. Uh, she she keeps cajoling him. And he eventually leaves, and then Rory walks in. Yeah. Rory walks in, um, and Lorelai gets up to get Rory a cup of coffee. Uh, a cup of coffee. And Luke at first does not believe her and calls her shameless for already wanting another cup. Um, and then when she turns around to show him that it's for Rory, that man has returned, and now he's hitting on Rory. Yeah. So she comes back in with the rescue to uh, kind of make fun of this guy a little bit more. And she explains to him that um, Rory is her daughter. Uh, he does have a moment. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the order is, but he, he does say, well, I'm traveling with a friend. You could both come out with us. Uh, <laughs> then she explains that her daughter is 16. And Rory, without missing a beat, turns to him and goes, are you my new daddy? My dad. <laughs> Oh, it's oh, great. Oh, yes. It's actually... I, it, it's a great scene. I was thinking about it. It's a very kind of Howard Hawks style scene. He loves to introduce his characters as just kind of very quick-witted and, and throwing out all these lines. And how you know mm-hmm. that someone is on the in-group is if they can keep up with the, the quick-witted uh, repartee. Mm-hmm. So you kind of yeah. know immediately with how quickly Rory catches on that they are both at that level. They they are they they work this way, and this other guy does not. He's not on their level. He cannot keep up with them. And 
And let me just add here that these two actresses have writers. Mm-hmm. You and I never really were that witty. <laughs> uh, yeah, not not that quickly, that's for sure. <laughs> not that quickly, no. <laughs> they have writers, people do their hair. Yeah. We, we were not quite that pulled together or that witty, <laughs> but uh, but there are a lot of similarities, and we will get to those later on. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, this is a great... This is just an awesome opening scene um, with the two of them. It shows how smart they are, you know, it, how funny they are, mm-hmm. and how to how how they act together. How they are our united mm-hmm. front, and in this case, it's united front against this this jerk who thinks that he can just you know come on to any woman who he walks up to. Yes. And he's not really a jerk. He's he's not, he seems like he's probably a nice guy. I shouldn't say he's a jerk, but um, but they're. They're there to talk to each other, mm-hmm. and he kind of interrupts that flow, uh, and they let him know right away that he's 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 an interloper and he yeah. needs to go away. So, yeah, I, I don't. I, he's not necessarily a jerk, but he does hit on a sixteen-year-old moments after hitting on her mother. Granted, I think the implication yes. is he does not realize that she's sixteen, mm-hmm. but he's... Oh, that Lorelai is has old enough to have a 16-year-old daughter. For sure. She looks very young. And she is young. For sure. She is young. She's 32. Yeah. She's very young. Yeah, so. she is She is young. Oh, God, I'm older than Lorelai. Anyway, <laughs> um, this this scene also, I just wanted to point out, uh, they they have a little exchange about makeup. Rory wants some lip gloss, so Lorelai pulls oh, out yeah. two full bags of makeup, and Rory's comment is, RuPaul doesn't need this much makeup, which I will say, having watched a lot of drag queen uh, YouTube videos, Actually, these makeup bags are pretty small compared to what drag queens carry around. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I do appreciate the reference, and it does kind of tell you right away that, uh, you know, especially for the time, not as many people were aware of RuPaul as are now. You know, now mm-hmm. that RuPaul owns half of the world. Um, so it, you, you kind of, it's another sign that they're very aware of pop culture and very keyed in yeah. to these things. I don't think in 2000 I would have known who RuPaul was. And, in fact, you probably would have had to explain it to me. But, yeah, they are very much on top of cultural trends and references. And you get that a lot in the show throughout the show. Never stops. And, you know, it's just a big part of the of their culture Yeah, is pop culture. You might not have known who RuPaul was, but just quick moment. You would have seen RuPaul at this point, which I know because you and I used to watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch together, and RuPaul had a pretty serious guest role on that. Not that that has anything okay. to do with this. <laughs> That's excellent. I did not remember yeah. that. So, <laughs> Both in drag and out of drag. It was a very fun episode. Mm. Okay. All right. So, uh, moving along, I think that's pretty much uh, everything we need from that scene. I believe the next scene is Lorelai going to her job at the inn, where we get introduced mm-hmm. to one of the best characters, Michelle. Uh, Michelle. Michelle is on the phone with a customer saying, no, I'm sorry, we're completely booked. Michelle is French, in case that's not clear from my not very good French accent. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we get introduced to Lorelai at her job. Uh, we see Michelle, um, who uh, is uh, trying to explain to a customer on the phone that they're completely booked uh, and going through this whole rigmarole to get them to try a different weekend, only to tell them that they're actually completely booked on that weekend as well. His one line that he, that I wrote down is he's, 
he keeps arguing with this person back and forth. I mean, it goes on mm-hmm. five or six or seven times where nobody are completely booked. Nobody are complete. But then I'd have to build a room for you myself. I'm not a man who works with his hands. <laughs> he He's hilarious. He's a great foil for um, Lorelai. And at one point when she tells him to do something, he says, I despise you. And the thing is, he acts like he despises everybody. Yes. It's, you know, it's, it's a front... Uh, it's the way he. It's just the way he interacts. He never smiles. I don't know that we ever see Michelle smile. Um, I think you see and, him smile sarcastically. <laughs> sarcastically. <laughs> but but the thing is, in that same scene, and they segue pretty quickly into two other things that happened in that first scene. Well, first she's on the phone and with the plumber, mm-hmm. and. To talk to him about a bill he's giving her for work on something that he had already fixed, and she says to him, um, "You know, you already fixed this before." And he said, "Well, how do you how do you know that? How how do you? I don't know what he asked her because he's on the we can't hear him." But she says, "Because you told me, and I never forget anything. This one's on you, right?" Mm-hmm. She is an incredibly competent businesswoman. She doesn't forget anything. Yeah. Um, and in that same scene, she also has hired a harpist yeah. for the lobby, which always makes me think, how big is this in? Yeah. It doesn't look that big from the outside. How many mm-hmm. guest rooms do they have? They never answer these questions for me, yeah. and I always have them. Maybe it's because I'm older. I don't know, but I but I look at this and think, well, is it is it like a bed and breakfast? Are there only seven rooms? Or are there 20 rooms? You know, so how many people? And then the other thing, too, is there's a restaurant in the end. Yes. So it could be that there are only seven rooms, but there's also a very busy and popular restaurant that people drive to from all over Connecticut. Anyway, so she hires a harpist to play in the hobby, in the, in the lobby. And this is, um, the harpist has as bad an attitude as Michelle does. Uh, and she is played by Alex Borstein, yes. who is now in The Marvelous Mrs. Maislam and is just an amazing character um, in that show. But in here, she is also foil. I don't think we see her after the first few episodes. She kind of goes away. But in the first two episodes, she's just, she's amazing. She's very sarcastic, kind of bitchy. Yeah. I think you know, you, an artistic you, temperament. You see her a few times, um, but she's definitely not as mainstay a character as some of the others, Mm-mm. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. If if anyone is not aware of who Alex Borstein is, they might know her better as the voice of Lois Griffin from Family Guy. Which oh, really? Yes. She she is, I did not know that. <laughs> she's I mean it, it's it's I think she's she's putting on a voice when she does Lois. It doesn't sound one completely like her. Um so it just shows her range. So uh but in, in Mrs. Maisel she plays Susie. Yes. She is like one of the main main characters um in the show. And and the thing about how how it also supports the idea that that uh, Lorelai is a great businesswoman, she handles her really well. Um, she doesn't win. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I think Drella wins the wins the argument, but Lorelai knows when to give up, knows when to give up, yeah. and walks away. So I think this this scene is also a good example of because um, you know sometimes Lorelai is put into situations where 
her kind of constantly flippant attitude uh, seems inappropriate. But I think in this scene, you can really see how it works for her because she's able to be mm-hmm. assertive with both Drella, the heart player, and the guy on the phone without being mean because she's able to kind of yeah. put it in this jokey manner so that she's getting her point across. But you can't, you mm-hmm. can't, you kind of can't be mad at her because she's being funny. Mm-hmm. She's being like nice and friendly and funny and even a little flirty but mm-hmm. in a way that like gets her point across it it, it really works yeah, she, yeah she's very flirty yeah. she's kind of how <laughs> and that cannot be underscored enough <laughs> yeah she is she is definitely very flirty um but she's you know it's kind of how i wish i could be when i'm trying to assert myself you know you find yeah you want to well, find that that perfect again, balance <laughs> yeah but she has writers again yeah, let's true. not forget <laughs> true true she has writers and she is played by a charismatic actor Mm. All right, so uh, I believe the next scene is Lane and Rory walking to school, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, so this is our introduction to Lane, Rory's best friend, and a child of Korean immigrants who own the antique store in town. Lane does here refer to her parents in the plural, but... We only really see her mom in this episode. We'll keep an eye on that going forward. But yeah, mm-hmm. Lane is complaining to Rory that her parents have set her up with a future Korean doctor. This is mm-hmm. and and she's she's not excited about it. She's not really on board with her parents um desire to match make for her at the tender age of 16. But her parents really want her to marry someone Korean, and they'd really like her to marry a doctor. So they are already trying to get her on that road. And Rory says to her, you're kidding. And she says, Koreans never joke about future doctors. Yes. Which sets up Lane's uh, personality perfectly. Because she is is definitely Korean. She honors and respects her mother Mm -hmm. and and what she wants for her. But she is an all-American kid who loves punk rock and pop culture yeah and, you know in this scene she's take he's changing clothes yeah she's as changing walking, clothes so she can get herself ready to see her mom because she respects her parents culture she's you know she's she under and but she's like she's the perfect all-american kid with immigrant parents she understands their their positions she she knows where they come from but but she's who she is yeah and she loves american culture she loves she the evil loves rock american music. culture yeah, especially rock music, but all of it probably more than than Rory and Lorelai do. All right, so the next scene uh, is at school. Um, this is before Rory has gotten into Chilton. So it's a scene at public school, and it's a kind of study hall uh, where the teacher starts off by saying that they can do whatever homework they have. And several of the girls in Rory's class immediately ignore that and pull out nail polish to start painting their nails and gossiping. But one of them notices that Rory has bent her head to her desk and is scribbling away furiously. The girls, at least one of them, assumes that she's writing a a note to someone or something and tries to see it and then comes back with kind of a, a look of dismay or at least confusion and and says she's doing the homework like that's the most unfathomable thing which yeah (laughs) i i do so i think the point of the scene is to kind of set up that rory is quote unquote not like other girls she's different yeah that she's more focused on her schoolwork 
I mean, I didn't really, I don't remember having study halls, so I can't really comment on the reality of the scene, but I feel like I probably would have wanted to use a study hall to do homework so I wouldn't have to do it at night, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you can't really have... Well, I think the the implication might be that they don't do their homework at night either. Yeah. And, and, the, and the polish thing brings up all kinds of questions because they're using polish... That it's got to smell, so why can't why doesn't the teacher smell it? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a quick scene, so maybe they they just decided it was they wanted to keep it short. They didn't want to have the kids getting in trouble. But the other question that it always brings up for me when I see it is, and they're not horribly mean to her because they don't you know they don't engage with her. They're talking yeah. about her, not to her. Uh, but it does kind of portray them as a little mean. Yeah. And- Although I think the girl who says. I and mean, it's a slam book or something that they, they think she yeah, might be doing. Yeah, yeah, they she, think she's doing a slam book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, but then when she looks, when she looks over and sees that Laura, that Lori's doing the, the homework, she does say she's doing the homework incredulously, but also with just a very slight amount of respect. I, I really, I don't think I'm seeing, in, seeing that into the scene. I really think there's a little bit of respect there. Um, they don't, it's not enough for her to want to be, Best friends with Rory, uh, and and but still at the same time, I just I just wish this whole mean girl thing would go away. <laughs> you know that this portrayal of teenage girls as mean to each other is first of all, I'm not sure where it comes from. It didn't happen. I mean, it happened occasionally when I was in high school, but not a lot because I am older. But I don't. I I just don't think that's that's it. I think it doesn't happen as often as it is portrayed in popular culture. And by portraying it over and over again, we support the idea that it's okay to be mean. I mean, I I just, I I don't think it exists, first of all. I don't think it's a healthy image to continue to put out there in popular culture over and over again. And I hope we are at the end of that era because there was even a whole movie series about Mean Girls. So anyway, that's just my two cents on that. I mean, I think my issue with the scene is uh, that they're trying to set up this dichotomy between Rory and other girls that like either you can be a good girl who does the schoolwork or you can be a girl who does nail polish. And I feel like usually the show does a better job of showing that Rory can be both you know there yeah. there, there are others like the first opening scene was Rory borrowing lip gloss from her mom and that mm-hmm. didn't invalidate her intelligence in any way but in this scene it feels like they are setting up this dichotomy between Rory the smart one and these other girls who are shallow and maybe not stupid but at the very least uninterested in intellectual things and I, yeah. you know I don't but in fact there's a there's a lot to be said for girls interacting. We, we could get into the whole psychology of development, and I won't. I'll give it 10 seconds. But girls develop and mature through their interactions with each other. So these interactions are important. They're, you know, I think they're equally important with doing the homework. Mm-hmm. So I am going to choose to believe that they put the mail polish on, and then they put it away and did their homework. <laughs> That's what I'm going to choose. So they had a little bit of interaction 
And, you know, Rory is in some ways very immature. Mm-hmm. So maybe her, her reluctance or her whatever it is that prevents her from these kinds of interactions with other girls has actually slowed down her development a little bit. Yeah. Um, because she is, she's, she's reserved. She's just sometimes, she's very mature in terms of her intelligence and, and her ability to be witty. But sometimes her, She's, you know, she, as we will find on later in, in the episode, she's not very experienced with boys. Mm-hmm. Never been on a date. So she's not, um, she's not as worldly as she comes across in her exchanges with her mom. Yeah. They seem very worldly, but her experience belies that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. In, in some ways, she's very sheltered. All right. So let's go on to the next, uh, scene, um, which is, uh, Suki. In the kitchen. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I have mixed feelings about this scene. On the one hand, I love Suki. She's so funny. And this is a great introduction to her character. It it kind of sets up the, um, not exactly a contradiction, but the the multi-layered personality of Suki, where on the one hand, she's this brilliant chef, and on the other hand, she's a whirling dervish of chaos. Um, just mm-hmm. a, a tornado through the kitchen. Um, she has this whole team of assistants who are basically there to keep her from burning the whole kitchen down. They're, they're, they're following behind her as she almost sets things on fire or almost grabs hot pans without anything covering her hands. Like, literally one of them... Almost chops her fingers off. Yeah, um, oh yeah, almost chops her fingers off. They're, like, constantly slightly tweaking what she's doing to keep her from causing Mm -hmm. any more chaos. There's actually, I think, two scenes in the kitchen. And in one of them, she references having stepped on her own thumb somehow. In another one, she accidentally sets a... Well, she, she throws a dish towel down on a lit burner and it catches on fire and one of her beleaguered assistants puts a big what is it a big lid down on top of it to help calm matter the fire. Matter-of-factly. Mm-hmm. Everything I, they do is very matter-of-fact to protect her. And I think he might be the same one that she hit in the face with a frying pan accidentally. Oh yeah so the, the, the kind of slapstick here it's, it's a three stooges yeah. kind of slapstick violence mm-hmm. and she puts the workers at risk all the time. It's very concerning, but it is choreographed like a dance. Yeah, I mean, it's it's brilliantly choreographed, but at the same time, you so you're like you appreciate how they filmed this, and at the same time, you're horrified. Yeah, and it's because at the end of this choreographed dance of, of slapstick violence in the kitchen, she ends up hitting one of the guys with a cast iron skillet yes. in the head, in the face. which realistically would kill you. Yeah, so. <laughs> They're also, like, the, for me, the, the kind of uh, unfortunate downside to this scene is that all of her assistants are at least presented as being Latino. They speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And, but they aren't really given, they're not really individual characters. They're kind of, they kind of just exist to protect Suki, basically, to work for her and protect her and make her genius work. And I do think it's worth noting that overall, um, Gilmore Girls is a pretty white show. There are a couple of characters of color, mainly Lane and Michelle. 
but and this kitchen staff except the kitchen staff aren't really characters they're 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 just to background be, yeah background support um for suki so now i like on the one hand there, there i think it's a, a good scene but on the other hand i do mm. think it's a little bit unfortunate that and i think it, it could be fixed just by you know making one of those characters an actual character one maybe the man that she hits yes. in the face could be an actual full character with a personality instead of kind of a which which never happens which never, never happens, happens. Yeah. but I, I will say that um, Anthony Bourdain has talked about how there there are a lot of Latino people working in kitchens across the country in restaurants that's a that's a pretty standard thing so that's not unrealistic but I agree with you that they're just they're just background yeah. They're they're not real characters, and yet they're getting slant, hit in the face with exactly you know, pans. And I mean, why doesn't he come back in later later on with you know an ice pack on his head and yeah. some dialogue? Yeah, give him a name. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that completely. And like it's, they're they're clearly you know, like, very again, skilled and good at their jobs because they're able to mm-hmm. deal with her, her her chaos, but they're not really given personalities, and that's pretty mm-hmm. unfortunate. And and the other thing that you have mentioned in the past too, when we talked about this scene, is how um, she's making. And there, were two, you said there were two scenes. Yeah, there's two. So the scenes. later one, the latter one, I guess they. Um, she's making a. Is it a peach? It's sauce? a peach sauce. Yeah, a peach sauce that is delicious, and the the feeling is in the scene that you get from them is that. Um, it's all worth it because she's created this work of art and it's mm-hmm. peach, peach sauce. And, uh, but Lorelei comes back with a line that has bothered you and me both. Yeah. And she says, someday when we open our own inn, diabetics will line up to eat this sauce. Yeah. So that's, that's, and admittedly, this is 2000, but that's a, that's kind of a slam to yeah. diabetics. It's, and can, it, go ahead. It's a flippant joke about a very serious disease. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, we'll see this more as the show goes on, but there is a tension in this show between the fact that on the one hand, they treat Suki, who is an overweight woman, as like a, a full character, um, and they treat her with a lot of respect, and they're never fat phobic towards her. But there is a mm-hmm. lot of background fat phobia in this show. And I think mm-hmm. that line is a prime example. And it's kind of a particularly cruel example. You and I have mm-hmm. both known multiple people who have diabetes, and it is a very serious disease. And <laughs> turning it into the butt of a joke is not okay with me. No, it's not okay with me either. I'm not sure where in this scene it seems like the two scenes in the kitchen have something in between them happening. yeah i don't remember they do so i think they actually have a line i have written down that i can't place okay so uh and it's a very important line but i can't remember what scene it comes out of it's one where she says that i can resent her for it and we can finally have a normal mother-daughter relationship do you remember what what scene that was from I don't, oh boy, I can't remember the line that comes right before that, but I'm pretty sure it's after they find out that Rory has gotten into Chilton. It is. Oh, 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 it's uh, so that Rory can have all of the opportunities that Lorelai never had and she can resent that her Lorelai for it. That Lorelai never had. Yeah. And then she says that, so she, I can resent her for it, we can have a normal mother-daughter relationship, like the one she has with her mother. Yes. So there's a little foreshadowing here because... Her mother kind of resents her. We'll get to that later. Uh, but the, re- the reason I re- the really real reason I brought it up 
I said, I don't think you and I have ever had that. So there's a lot of, I mean, I am, I am your biggest cheerleader. Mm-hmm. I don't resent anything that you do. I think it's all wonderful. And we've just never had that kind of relationship, but I see it in this show and they talk about it occasionally although i don't think lorelei ever does resent rory she she really doesn't she's her biggest cheerleader yeah but she does have that kind of relationship with her mom yeah well and i i wonder if to a certain extent that stereotype comes from an older generation because i I feel like the implication Mm. there is you know you resent older people resenting younger people for being mm-hmm. able to do things that they themselves couldn't do so i wonder if maybe you know kind of the changes in what women were culturally allowed to do in like the 60s onward maybe mm-hmm. kind of created that stereotype you know women who were sort of forced to be nothing but housewives in the 50s and earlier resenting their daughters who were able to join the workforce in a way that they themselves had not been allowed to do i mean you know that's Mm -hmm. maybe that's being a little too specific i'm sure there's a lot of other uh things that have gone into it but it is a generalization but i think it's one that's supported in in media stereotypes and whatever, I will say that my mother was in that generation. She never resented me. She she promoted me and pushed me and supported me just the way I have done with you. So I think it might be a personality thing. And I also don't think that Emily, Lorelai's mom, resents her career. She yeah. resents her for other things. Yeah. But she doesn't resent. In fact, it's almost the opposite. She will get to it eventually. But um, there's there. There's a different kind of uh, dichotomy there. So, yeah. and I guess also going into that stereotype is the the stereotype of like the pageant mom who forces her daughter into a bunch of pageants mm-hmm. to either mm-hmm. relive her glory days or to live yeah. live the glory days she never had. Which you were definitely not a pageant and, and, mom. <laughs> no, and I don't know anybody who was. I think it's a it's a stereotype, and and but you know stereotypes come from somewhere. Yeah. And so there, there must be some mothers out there like that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah. it wouldn't resonate. So I, I think the scene that comes in between is when Rory and Lane, um, it actually encounter Lane's mom uh, after school. They go mm. to the antique store, and they walk through the antique store, and it, they start this running gag that comes up. Over and over again, whenever we go to the antique store, (laughs) they can never find her mom. They can hear her, and her mom always shouts something unhelpful like, I'm near the table, but it's an antique (laughs) store, so it's full of tables. There are lots of tables. Yeah. And it's almost gives a, it gives you a feeling of being in a hoarder's home, but it's not. It's just a really over... Overstocked, Overstuffed, yeah, and antique store. <laughs> antique but it's, store. it's also a very successful antique store. Like it's, it's oh, very successful. Yeah, yeah, it's so stuffed because she's constantly moving stuff. You know, she's constantly mm-hmm. uh, successfully selling stuff. Everything half off. Everything half off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and we also so they they do eventually find Mrs. Kim, and uh, that's Lane's mom, Mrs. Kim. And when they do, she tells them that she has some. What is it? Sprouted wheat muffins that oh. are very good for digestion, but they're only good for 24 hours, so they need to eat them right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and thus begins. And it's an- the way she just. Des- Go ahead. The way she describes it, it is so unappealing. Yeah. 
<laughs> she, she, has, she has nothing that sounds worse. Yeah, so th- this is kind of another, this is an introduction to another thing with Mrs. Kim where she really, really wants Lane to eat all of this healthy food. Lane, on the other hand, would love nothing more than to live off of French fries and pizza. Uh, yeah, and uh, she's a, an American teenager. Yeah, she's an American girl. <laughs> uh, they also so when, when they're trying to find Mrs. Kim, um, at first it's just Lane who's calling out to her, but then Mrs. Kim asks a question and Rory ends up answering it, and Mrs. Kim goes, "Who's that?" And Lane says, "It's Rory, Mom." And you hear Mrs. Kim go, "Oh," <laughs> and Rory's like, <laughs> "Wow, I can hear the disappointment from here." And this is where we kind of establish that Mrs. Kim does not approve specifically of Lorelai. As mm. as Lane puts it, she doesn't trust unmarried women. And yet, and yet, <laughs> and yet. And we it has to be said here that we never see Mr. Kim. We have yet. So we have not seen we, him yet. We haven't we haven't seen him yet. We don't know if he exists. And a lot of times I get the impression that Mrs. Kim is herself a single mom. But we don't know that for sure yet. But yes, she's very critical of Lorelai. I mean, the canon <clears throat> seems to be that she's not, as her name is Mrs. Kim. And mm-hmm. Lane does refer to her parents plural. But functionally, yes, it feels like Mrs. Kim is essentially a single mom because I we have not seen Mr. Kim. And it remains to be seen if we ever will. <laughs> the other line that I want to point out, I don't remember exactly what Rory says to start this off, but R- Rory makes some sort of joke that Mrs. Kim doesn't get, uh, and so Rory explains it's a joke, and Mrs. Kim's response is, boys don't like funny girls, which yeah. is just, <laughs> which is hilariously a very oh. funny line. Yes, yeah. But yeah, that's sort Mrs. of- Mrs. Kim has a lot of funny lines. She has, she has great I lines. I mean, every- it, it's a comedy. Everybody gets funny lines, witty, funny lines. Yeah. But yeah, Mrs. Kim is, she never smiles. She's very stern in her, mm-hmm. at her approach to everything. But, but she's funny. Yeah. She is funny. And the, I believe, uh, so the actress is named Emily Kuroda. Mm-hmm. And she just does such a great job uh, in this role. She, she's, has such And you just good... told me the other day that she's in that new movie, Kimmy? Yes. Is the name of it? Yeah, she has... About, she... it's kind of an Alexa type of product that in the movie's all about that it's, uh... Yeah. What is his name? Steven Soderbergh. Uh, the... Soderbergh, yeah. Yeah, and, Steve, Steven Soderbergh. Uh, she, she... Go ahead. Steven Soderbergh just came out with a new movie called Kimmy. And yes, Mrs. Kim, the actress who plays Mrs. Kim, Emily Kuroda, plays the main character's therapist in that movie. She doesn't have a lot of of lines. She's only see her on screen because mm-hmm. the main character is um, what's the word? They don't agoraphobic, and so she doesn't really like to leave her home. So you see the therapist twice on screen, and it's Mrs. Kim, and I did not recognize her, but you did. Yeah. So good job. <laughs> she she's older now. I mean, it, it's been this uh, episode in two thousand is now. 21 years old. So. Wow, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's mm-hmm. It's been a while. But yeah, I I recognized her right away. I, I'm, I'm not sure I can explain why. I just, as soon as I saw her, I was like, that's Mrs. Kim. <laughs> well, I thought she did look familiar, but I could not place her. So that's that's good for you. Good memory. <laughs> All right. So that yeah, that's the intervening scene. Um, and then we have uh, Suki, uh, sorry, Suki. 
I've watched too much True Blood. Suki um, <laughs> hitting uh, hitting that man in the face with the frying pan, with the cast iron skillet. And then we kind of get to the first big conflict of the episode, which is basically Lorelai discovering how much Chilton is actually going to cost. And mm-hmm. more specifically, the fact that she cannot pay it. We... Mm-mm get a phone call Lorelai calls someone at the school to basically ask if there's any way that she could just pay a part of it now and then the rest later and you take from her side that they must have said no and Lorelai does try to inject a little humor into the situation she says it's just that she's supposed to start Monday it just doesn't give me a lot of time to pull a bank job but yeah <laughs> whoever it's a great line whoever it is on the other side of the phone uh, does not seem to pick up on that and Lorelai has to quickly explain that she was just making a joke and that she will find a way to pay for this school. Yeah, because so the woman on the phone doesn't have a sense of humor and it is a phone thing. So she's not really, she's not seeing Lorelai. Mm-hmm. But I love that line so much that I almost think we should call our podcast that. <laughs> it just doesn't give me a long to pull a bank check. <laughs> and anyway, it's a great scene. She ends up um, hanging up. And, and here's another thing, a time time lapse thing. She uh, is using, she's not using a cell phone. This yeah. is uh, Laura Lamb talking about. She's using a wireless phone in her house. It's a landline, mm-hmm. but it's a huge honking phone <laughs> yeah. that is as big as her head. Uh, and I'm looking at this phone in the scene thinking, yep, I had one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so that's. 21 years ago, we still had landlines. So anyway, yeah. that's, that's a, a, just an off thing. But, but here's, here's my question about that scene, what it, what it uh, raises for me in terms of the show itself. And that is the inconsistency about how they, they portray money and how it's used mm-hmm. and how much everybody has. Lorelai has a house. It's a nice house. A very nice house. She has, she has a Jeep that seems to be not very old. She's, she has nice clothes. You know, they, they, they eat at Luke's a lot. They don't seem to be worried about money. They have a middle, uh, a comfortable middle class life. Why did she, but, but she doesn't have enough money for the tuition. She must have known this. So why did she pursue the private school if she didn't have the money to pay for it? So when you went to private school, and this is why I'm, I'm bringing this up, it's because we are talking about how we, relate to this show because you went to private school we probably we probably should have said oh, yeah, that we, up front we should probably say that up front yeah so yeah we should have talked about that you you were and a single so, mom i was a single mom you were going to go to private you needed to go to private school for a lot of reasons that we won't get into that we might get into later but you were academically gifted just as rory is and we looked at a couple different schools. Uh, you were miserable in public school. So when we found Thomas Jefferson, and we'll just give him a shout out here, it was the perfect school for you. So we looked at several different ones. And when you came out of Thomas Jefferson, the day that you went in to spend your half day with them, you had the biggest smile on your face that I've ever seen. And I knew right then, kind of with a sinking heart, because not only was it expensive, but it was a long ass drive. It was. Yeah. <laughs> it was a 40 minute drive. So one way. Yeah. So I knew that it was not, and they had the same situation here. She's going to have a long drive too. So we have a lot in common with them in terms of, of you want, needing to go to a different school. We, we don't have the money for it. We had, we had a fairly comfortable middle class existence, but we couldn't afford private school. So we te- we did have to apply for scholarship money, and you did get scholarship money. And that's how we got you through Thomas Jefferson, even though I still had to 
pay a huge chunk of money and often had to work part-time jobs. Yeah. Lorelai never has to work a part-time job, but she has rich parents. And so my thing is she went, in, went into this knowing she was not going to be able to afford this and she was probably going to have to hit up her parents. Yeah. That's my point about that. And she acts throughout this whole, well, there's at least two scenes where she says she's not going to do this. And yet she knows she, she's known all along she's going to have to do this, yeah. I think. If you were being honest with yourself. So, yeah, anyway. I, 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 I do agree. <clears throat> I, th- I think they're a little inconsistent about money. I mean, you know, it's a television show to a certain extent. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've never, I've almost never seen a television show be very realistic about money, period. True. Um, but, <laughs> Friends? Yeah. But it, it is. Friends ki- is a great example. Kind of, yeah, true. Yeah, those giant apartments in Manhattan that they can afford on a waitress and like fry chef salary. Uh, Although, you know, and, and defense, just a quick defense of friends here. Now that you have lived in Seattle for 10 years and supported yourself on a fairly small salary, I would say that that's the way you do it is you do it with roommates. And that's how those, the people and friends true, mostly do it. But in friends, it's two person apartments. I lived in a five person apartment for most true, of that true. time. True. And it wasn't Manhattan. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> so first of all, Seattle is cheaper, and secondly, it was it was a five bedroom apartment that was shared with four other people, and also it was a constant part of my life during that period, making sure that we had someone in each of those rooms. Whereas yeah. that's not really a big concern in Friends because it's only yeah. two people. Also, the size of that apartment was probably like the actual size of my apartment was probably equivalent to the size of the friend's apartment, including but, the bedroom. But it was five people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah. I do think it's a little aggravating here, mainly because money is the big conflict. Money is essentially the mm-hmm. the inciting incident for the whole the plot of the whole show. Um, yeah, it is. And actually, we, we, we should, t- well, well, we'll get to that in, in a scene in just a few minutes. But yeah, it is, it's the fundamental conflict between her and her parents, too. Yeah. So, okay. And I, I mean, I don't know how specific we want to get, but while I was going to that private school, we did not live in a beautiful Victorian-style um, no. house. <laughs> no, no, we uh, lived in a, a large, but still... A rented condominium. Mm-hmm. It was a huge apartment, but it was still an apartment. It was still an apartment, yeah. and I did ha- I did and do have a younger brother, and mm-hmm. for a period, we shared a bedroom, and then eventually, he slept in the dining room, because it was only a yes. two-bedroom yes. apartment. It was uh, a two-bedroom apartment. As you got older and you needed space, he went into the dining room. He went room. into yep. the dining room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we did eventually leave that condo. But mm-hmm. that all that is to say, if you came to our house, you could see that we weren't exactly living it up while I went to the private right. school. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> all right. So back into the episode. So it's actually Suki uh, is the first one who brings up the idea of calling the grandparents. She actually doesn't say it out loud because Lorelai won't let her. But cuts uh, her off. Yeah, mm-hmm. Lorelai uh, brings up the fact that she can't pay for it, and Suki's like, "Well, I hate to be the one to say it, but Lorelai's like, "No, don't even say it." 
But she very quickly changes her mind when she sees how excited Rory is to go to the school. And then we get this kind of beautiful shot of she she's um in she's in her living room, Lorelai is, and she looks over at the mantle over the fireplace where there is a picture of a young girl who's definitely Lorelai in in kind of a, a almost similar to what Rory so Rory has just been trying on the skirt for the Chilton uniform. And then we cut to this mm-hmm. picture of young Lorelai wearing that kind of skirt, but a full uniform and standing in front of this giant, beautiful old house and looking pretty miserable. She she looks small mm-hmm. compared to the house. She's not smiling. She's not smiling. Mm-hmm. And Lorelai contemplates this picture and then it, it does kind of a, a fade or, or I think it, it zooms in on the picture and then it cuts to that house in real life and the camera pans over to adult Lorelai sitting on the edge of her Jeep clutching her coffee cup and clearly stealing herself to go knock on the door. This is her parents' house. It's a brilliant scene. It's great. Yeah, it's a brilliant scene. I mean, it's probably one of the best things I've ever seen on television because it's just, it really, it you know, and her face She's got a look on her face. It's not unhappy. There's a lot on her going on in her face in that yeah. scene when you when they when it pans to her and she's sitting on this like what do they call it? an outboard or mortarboard or whatever the thing that sticks out from yeah. from the from the jeep. It's a step basically to get it to get mm-hmm. up. And she's sitting there in her uh, in her suit, which yeah. is a very short skirted suit with her legs in front of her. I mean, she just looks very. She looks like the young girl in the picture but she also looks like the troubled uh young mom who has a child that she will do anything for which i get i completely totally relate to lorelei in that moment but she has got to do the one thing in life she really does not want to do and it's all for her daughter it's a huge sacrifice yeah it's a huge sacrifice and it becomes instantly and immediately apparent when she goes to the door and her mother answers the door and seems disappointed to see her. Lorelai. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's terrible. It's a yeah. terrible scene. And, you know, how do you not embrace with loving enthusiasm the daughter you haven't seen in months? I, I, I just, it's, it's a, it's a really, it's a really depressing and upsetting scene. Yeah. They, and they don't dwell on it. They they move on pretty quickly, and then you get the witticisms and whatever. But for a mother and a daughter, because I'm a daughter too, mm-hmm. so it, it's just it's a hard scene. It's a hard. It's scene. a really hard scene. Yeah. So yeah, Emily comes to the door, and we get a couple of jokes. Both Emily and so Emily is Lorelai's mother, and Lorelai's father is named Richard, and they both separately make jokes about the fact that Lorelai has shown up on a day that's not a holiday. I think uh, mm-hmm. Emily says something like is it christmas already and i'm not sure richard might ask if it's easter i'm I'm not totally sure but they're yeah they both make it clear that they only expect to see lorelei on the holidays Mm -hmm. uh and then richard richard repeat him repeating it too makes it obvious it's a tired joke yes too and it's an insulting joke yeah uh, and then Richard very quickly jumps to the obvious conclusion, Lorelai needs money. Before she can even get the question out, he says, you need money. 
I, I also want to point out that both Emily and Richard are extremely well-dressed in the middle of the day hanging out at home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. Lorelai's wearing a little suit, but Richard is wearing a full-on suit with a bow tie and a pocket square. And Emily, I think, is wearing this, like, cream silk blouse with, like, pearls. She wears... She, sweater and pearls. And, yeah, sweater She's and very pearls. dressed up. Now, he's probably just gotten off work. So that one kind of makes a little bit of sense, just like it makes sense that Lorelai is still in her suit. But Emily is is dressed like she has a luncheon to go to. And she doesn't, she's a society maven, you know, but she, she doesn't leave the house to work. She does a lot of volunteer stuff, but she is clearly dressed for dinner. Yeah. And that that also is a visual that sets up the difference between her and... And Lorelai, who will often eat dinner on the couch in her pajamas, which Emily would be just horrified by. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's also kind of interesting that Emily is wearing slacks, where Lorelai is wearing uh, the short skirt. Uh, just em- Emily's, skirt. Yeah, yeah. Emily, Emily's outfit is definitely very modest. Also, it's beautiful. I, when, when I saw it the first time uh, on this rewatch, I was just like, I don't know how old it makes me, but I love what Emily's wearing. <laughs> It's a, it's oh, a I know. It's, it's comfortable. It, it's elegant. Yes, and it's comfortable. Whereas, uh, but elegant. And but but what Lorelai is wearing is hip and young and uh, professional. But still, it's a very short skirt. Yeah, and I would not be comfortable in that that short of a skirt. Although she she pulls it off. She's got a great body. Yeah, she she's looks got great, great legs. And yeah, she looks great. But Emily does too. Yeah, but they're very different. Uh, <laughs> um. So yeah, but, but the thing about this scene is that, and then we move into it, is that Emily is critical of Lorelai. Yes, and she makes some comments and some, and they're witty, but they're critical. But she's never cruel. Richard is cruel to to Lorelai in the scene, and it's heartbreaking how yeah. cruel he is to her. But so, so you know, they 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 discuss how much money she the money that she needs, and Richard. What is the comment that he makes to her that that's so cutting? Um, uh, well, the 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 big cutting one happens later during the actual dinner. Uh, so in, okay, in this we'll get scene, to that later. Okay, he, he does immediately assume that Lorelai needs money, and the way that he says it is condescending at at the very least. He he yeah, he's very condescending to her. Yeah, he immediately jumps to her needing money, and he, just the way he says it is. It's like an assumption that she has failed in some way, and that's why she needs the money. Whereas Emily quickly senses her opportunity. Yes. And this is what I love about Emily. She flips it around and says, we will give you the money on two conditions. Mm -hmm. One is that you have to have dinner with us every Friday night, Mm -hmm. and you have to call me once a week with updates about my daughter. So what she's... About my granddaughter. So what she's saying here is... If you want money from us, you have to come back into our life. Yes. I want you to be a part of my life again. I don't want to just see you at Christmas yeah. and Easter. I want to see you every week. That is not an unrealistic thing for a grandma, for a mother or a grandmother to want, especially a mother. Yeah. And it says to me immediately that she loves, she adores her daughter, even if she can't always show it, and mm-hmm. she can't show it. Yeah. I mean, throughout the entire series, she has a hard time showing it. And she does continue to be critical of her, but she loves her and wants to be a part of her life. She feels rejected. Yeah. And this is her chance to to get them back into her circle. Of course, she also takes a little bit further than that, which we will see in the second episode. Yes. But but the main point is 
that she wants to be a part of their life because she loves them. This yeah. is a show about love. And yeah, and it, it, it does kind of, I mean, I, I find Emily to be one of the most compelling characters on the show, I think, because oh, yeah. she's she's got this almost like a core contradiction. Like, on the one hand, she very much is this old money, everything needs to be proper kind of person. You know, she's the kind of person who's wearing a beautiful silk blouse while sitting at home alone all day. (laughs) But on the other hand, she really loves her daughter, and a part of her understands that that first part of her drove her daughter away mm-hmm. and she she does not know she does not know exactly how to fix it but she does know mm-hmm. that she wants to fix it and this is kind of her first step is to this demand is opportunity yeah to yeah. kind of demand well, that that Lorelai come back into her life so that they can mm-hmm. talk again and the the funny thing about this scene is that the way Emily says it, you can see on her face, it, it, it's almost like the villain revealing their evil plan. You know, she, yeah. she's... she's <laughs> that you can see it in her eyes how it's coming Yeah, to she's her. like, ah, ha, ha, I have figured out my clever scheme. <laughs> but on the other hand, like, literally, literally, she's just asking to be involved in her daughter and her granddaughter's life. What an evil person. Oh, no, how dare mm-hmm. she want this? So it's, it's a... Well, and... It showcases the difference between Emily and Richard, too. Yes. Because Richard is still absorbed in his anger. He's still so upset with his daughter that he he doesn't see this opportunity. Mm -hmm. But Emily does. And I do like Richard, but... I love Emily, yeah. and she she's of the two of them. She's the smarter one. Yeah. She is the better educated one. Yeah. She 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 comes from old money. I think you. We've had a disagreement about this. I don't think he does. I think he's been very successful in his life, but she actually comes from old money. And well, we but she we will eventually be introduced to his mother. So I I do think okay, so he, he comes from old money, but we can talk about that later. We can talk about it later. Yeah, yeah. So, but but they're very different people, and he dwells in his his righteous indignation about what his daughter did to him. Yes, and instead of who his daughter is what she has made of herself, why she left their house. Mm-hmm. And Emily, on the other hand, quickly jumps to the, the more the more loving approach. And even though she you know, she does it in a way that it is kind of blackmail. Yeah. Because <laughs> Lorelai's immediate response is, oh, here it comes. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, before she can get the idea about the, out, that's what Lorelai says. Oh, here in, it comes. In, in a way, it's also the more pragmatic approach. Because, you know, she... She realizes that they can give this money and also that it gives them a little bit of leverage over Lorelai yeah. and that she can yeah. use that to essentially improve their relationship, or at least from her perspective, mm-hmm. improve their relationship. Mm-hmm. Lorelai is definitely not happy about this. She does not want to do these dinners, uh, but that's exactly why it's so clever, because Emily knows that this is kind of their only chance. If they want to have any relationship with Lorelai, they need to force it on her. <laughs> and when you're watching this, you're thinking, what's wrong with you, Lorelai? This sounds like a great deal. Because mm-hmm. we don't know yet. Because we haven't we'll seen the dinner yet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we haven't seen the dinner yet. So we'll get to that. Let's get the other scene. Well, and that, is that the next scene? Well, there's one There's one more very oh, no, important no. scene before that. Another major conflict in the show. Yes. yes. So go ahead. You, so, you, you set it up. Yeah. So the next scene is where we get the second major conflict of the episode, which is basically 
Rory meets a boy. Rory is... He meets, she meets a boy. <laughs> Rory is cleaning out <laughs> and, her locker, and she runs into Dean, uh, and she references Ruth something. I, I haven't actually seen the movie, but she makes a reference to Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's um, Baby. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a character named Ruth or something, and she, uh, Dean causes her to drop her books, and then he stands there quietly while she's picking them up, and she calls him Ruth whatever and he immediately understands that she's talking about rosemary's baby and he says oh rosemary's baby that's a great movie and that causes her to kind of be pulled out of herself and actually look at him because he got her reference and she's like whoa and then she looks at him and you can kind of see on her face that she immediately recognizes that he's cute um it's ruth gordon by the way that's the that's actress it. not the not the not the character okay I don't think I've ever seen Rosemary's Baby. I would not have gotten the reference that, uh, that she was talking about that movie. I did, I did recognize Ruth Gordon's name, but you know, and she, I, I forget, is it Joan Crawford? I don't know. I, I forget who the other, what the full line was, but the line that she references, I wouldn't have gotten that. And I'm a lot older than Lorelai. <laughs> so wouldn't have gotten it. So for, for Dean to get it is amazing. Yeah. Shows that he's seen a lot of movies. Yeah. And, and Rory has too. So they have a lot in common. Sets that up. Yeah, so they, um, she stands, uh, he asks her if she's moving, and she says, no, just my books are, um, and he explains that he has just moved to this town from Chicago, and they proceed to walk around uh, a little bit together. Oh, and, and she also suggests that he go to see Miss Patty, because he tells her that he needs to go find a job, and she says he should go see Miss Patty, who is the dance teacher, and he says, well, I, I don't really do much dancing and she says no miss miss patty just knows everything if if someone needs some help then miss patty will know which is kind of how we first get introduced to miss patty another Mm -hmm. great side character she's the town dance teacher and she's also the town gossip she's the one who very Mm -hmm. much knows everybody's business all the time Uh, and she spends most of her time literally standing in the doorway to her dance studio shouting directions at the young ballet arenas inside and smoking so her smoke. cigarette she's sta- yeah. yeah she's she's standing in the doorway so she can smoke so she can i smoke. think she's the only person in the show who smokes so that's yes. that and and you know what they didn't have a warning on it either you know how now today tv shows say <laughs> yeah. a warning sex blah 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 and smoking <laughs> it's now a warning <laughs> but in 2000 it wasn't a warning and she does smoke but she's and she's hilarious and she's just a real over-the-top character, and that's another that's another element or component of this TV show that they do so well is that there are so many characters in it that are just, on the surface, you think, oh, they're just cartoonish, they're tropes, you know, whatever, but they're not. They're all fully fleshed-out characters. They all have their own stories, and they're interesting and fun and funny. Yes. They put a lot of thought into the, the secondary characters, and she's one of them, and they're all just kind of quirky and and fun and you just wonder what their backstories are you don't get on everybody yeah so and in fact that's kind of the point sometimes that there's a lot of mystery with these characters we don't really know their backstories but it's hinted at that they all have interesting backstories yeah <laughs> she's and, one of them uh yeah miss um, patty we, we do rory does say that she used to be on broadway so that's our first mm, there you go hint about her backstory uh, I do want so she and Dean do uh, walk around the town together, and she's she's kind of giving him, or at least she's she's pointing out some things in the town. So not exactly giving him a full on tour, 
And he tells her that he's actually been watching her for a little bit, or at least that he he noticed her before. And specifically what he noticed is uh, what he calls her concentration, that she has the best concentration of anyone he's ever seen. And she's like, what? And he explains that um, he saw her reading at the gazebo the other day when two boys were playing some kind of game. I don't know, sport game. They, they were I, throwing yeah. a ball back and forth and one of them got hit in the head and started bleeding and there was a whole kerfuffle. Blood everywhere. <laughs> and, and Rory never looked up from her book. Uh, so he was impressed by her ability to concentrate and Rory's response is, a little dismayed, uh, and she says, "Maybe I'm just unbelievably self-centered." And he says that. Well, he, it's a good question. It's yeah. a good question because I'm kind of, I'm kind of dismayed by it too. I mean, when bit, he describes yeah. it, I'm like, "Really?" There's because she said there was blood and there was screaming, and and she's sitting that that far away. She doesn't even look up. Doesn't even look that up. That is. That is very absorbed. I'm not sure it's self-absorbed. I think he's absolutely right that he that he. She is able to concentrate, but I don't know. It does seem a little odd that she doesn't hear any of this going on. Yeah, she's got some blinders on. She does have some blinders on. But she's also very, like we were talking earlier, um, sheltered, a little reserved, a little introverted, except with the people that she knows really well. Mm -hmm. And she has never had a boy pay attention to her before. She is not dated. At least she's Um, never noticed a boy paying attention to her. Never noticed, because of her concentration. (laughs) She's got blinders on. Even earlier in this scene, when they first interact, she doesn't even look at him until he gets her Rosemary's Baby reference. There's a whole... She's not even looking at his face until he says Rosemary's Baby, and then she pays attention to him and suddenly realizes that he's cute. But I also think that's an assumption on her part that no boy would be interested in her. So she doesn't engage with him uh, until he goes uh, over and above and gets that reference. Then she realizes that he might be worth... Um, I think she's afraid of rejection. Yeah. So, you know, she, cause she is really smart and she's into herself and into her own thing and has her blinders on. And, but when he gets the reference to the movie, she comes out of that for just enough time to realize that he's gorgeous. I think there's also an element of this is like a coming of age moment for her. Yes, um, it is very much a coming of age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is kind of the first time that she's noticed a boy, and it does open up this whole section of the world for her. And in fact, it kind of immediately changes her mind about what she wants. Because it's right on the cusp of a major change in her life mm-hmm. that she has wanted to make 100%, and now all of a sudden, here's a sticking point. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, and what, here, and what I don't understand about this is you still so live in the same town as this yeah. boy. Yeah. You know, you're not, it's not boarding school. <laughs> but she is a teenager. <laughs> but, anyway, but go, she is a teenager. She's not looking uh, at it from the bigger context. Yeah. Which is, you want to, you want to set that next scene up? Um. So, yeah. So the next scene is Rory and Lorelai getting into a fight. They, they go to <laughs> uh, Luke's diner again and all of a sudden Rory says that she no longer wants to go to Chilton. And first she's, she's right off the bat. She's suddenly very ornery. She kind of implies that her mom is a bitch. She, she says something rude and Lorelai tries to diffuse the tension by saying, Hey, I called dibs on being a bitch tonight. And Rory's response is just, tonight 
which I, I sucked in my breath a little bit at that moment. I was like, ooh, you just said that to your mom. Wow. But yeah. And- yes, it's pretty It's pretty amazing. They have a really open relationship. Yeah. I, I'm not sure you and I would have ever spoken to each other with that specific kind of, maybe in a fight. I, I, yeah, but not but the B, not the B word. Yeah, I, not I don't the B word. I don't think we would have done that. And to be fair, <laughs> no. she do, she doesn't actually say it; she just implies it. Yeah, um, but yeah, and and Lorelai is totally thrown by this. You know, she's like mm-hmm. the the day that Lorelai has had is the day of you know flagellating herself uh, before her parents to ask them mm-hmm. for money uh, in order for Rory to go to this school, and now all of a sudden Rory is being kind of tetchy and ornery and suddenly says that she does not want to go to Chilton anymore. Uh, And she says this after Lorelai has had this exhausting meeting with her parents. mm -hmm. So it's the last thing she expects to hear. It's the last thing she wants to hear. Mm -hmm. And the audience knows, but but uh, Rory doesn't know. So we're 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 sitting there thinking, "Oh my God, how unfair is this? Yeah, it's so unfair to Lorelai. Yeah, and yet at the same time, Lorelai reacts in such a way that she pulls the parenting card. We'll get to that in a minute. She does, but um, but that's something that she doesn't do very often. And it is unfair to Lorelai, but also Rory doesn't know that. Uh, the the last no, thing doesn't. that Lorelai said to her parents was that she does not want Rory to know that she's borrowing the money from mm-hmm. them, which will mm-hmm. come up again. Uh, so Rory doesn't realize what her mother is sacrificing. She thinks that it's just her own sacrifice, and she's decided she no longer wants to make it. And then, yeah, uh, Lorelai does pull the parenting card and says, you're going to this school anyway. Uh, and then they both angrily get up and leave the diner, which is when Miss Patty outs Rory pretty much immediately. They walk past Miss Patty, smoking her cigarette and shouting at her children, and she um, immediately says to Rory that she found that nice young man a job over at Taylor's Market. And she she compliments Rory on her good taste because he sure is a cutie. Uh, and and Lorelai suddenly gets it. Yes. And the, she, you know, she said, it's a boy. Of course it's a boy. Dark hair, romantic eyes, looks a little dangerous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she gets it. She knows exactly what's going on. It's a sudden, it is just, just awake, you know, just a sudden awareness, a sudden awakening yes. that her daughter has met a boy for the first time. Yes. And she's kind of kept her from that. I mean, the, you know, Rory not having a boyfriend or not being obsessed with boys, as most 16-year-old girls are, and Lorelai was, has, has been a probably a great relief to 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 Lorelai as a mom you know that she wasn't that that Rory is not Lorelai and I hasn't had that yeah and I I think it's a specific fear for Lorelai Lorelai is very much afraid that Rory Mm -hmm. might turn out to be just like her and might throw away her Mm -hmm. opportunities in exactly the same way and in fact that's what she says she says of course it's a boy because you're me and And yet she's not She's not. She's not Lorelai. It's True. interesting though, and I, I I relate to this too because my mom had the same fear. She was very strict. She was very rigid, rigid because, and we didn't find this out until many many years later. She <laughs> had me out of wedlock between marriages yes. at a very young age. We none of us knew this. 
So I could understand for years and years why she was so hard at me, why she was so determined that I wasn't going to, you know, I had, couldn't date till a certain age, mm-hmm. had to be in by a certain time. I was going to, you know, she just, she did not want me to get pregnant. Yeah. And that is what Lorelai is going through here. She just, she's been, it has been such a relief to her that Rory has not been the kind of girl who could get pregnant at 16. Yeah. That has been a great relief to Lorelai. And here we have just, the, the horror that she has been avoiding for years hitting her in the face. Uh, so they they continue their fight all the way home. And I think it's actually when they're home that Lorelai says something like, I understand liking boys. You don't get pregnant at 16 without being into boys. And then they kind of go to their separate corners. Rory goes to her room. Lorelai returns to the bedroom. And they both turn on Macy Gray... Uh, after the fight, Laura, I think Rory turns it on first. We have Rory turning turning it on in her room, and then we cut to Lorelai in the living room. She turns on the exact same song. Uh, and in fact, this is kind of a callback to the first scene, because in the first scene in the diner, uh, one of the things that Rory was complaining about was that she couldn't find her Macy Gray CD, and it turned out that was because Lorelai had it. Uh, in the big bag with all the lip gloss. Yes. She pulls it out. <laughs> So even in the middle of this fight, they are kind of reacting to it exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the next scene is um, back at the inn. Uh, We cut into, uh, or we we open in on um, uh, some burly men taking a uh, the the oven the stove out of the kitchen because Suki has apparently destroyed it. They refer to it as a Viking. I don't know if that's a real uh, I think thing. it's a very expensive... It's a, it's a restaurant. Okay, it's a uh, restaurant-level And those stove. are going to be expensive. Yeah. And Michelle has some line um, to Suki, something about, like, uh, who would have thought you're the one who's left standing? <laughs> 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 like, like it was a, a war between Suki and the stove. Um, and the stove. Yep, yep. But, yeah, so <laughs> Suki has destroyed the stove... And then I think you wanted to mention Lorelai is telling Suki about the fight that she and Rory had. Yeah, and and she and she says to her, "We don't fight. We never fight." And the thing is, that's pretty true. They they rarely fight. And this is, um, you know, we see this fight. We kind of think they're setting them up to have fights all the time, but but they really don't. Yeah. And and the thing is, I I think you and I did fight. And I I do think you know it wasn't all the time, but but we did. Teenagers and their parents fight, and and that's that's a really important part of growing up. Is you know you disagree or you fight or whatever, and how how you know that's a separating that happens in the teen years that has to happen. You know, parents put down rules, kids push back. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 there are fights that has to happen. So for her to say we don't fight, we never fight. Is, is an odd thing to throw in here. And it kind of suggests that there's no separation between them, but it also might, they both have to grow up during the course of the TV show, the seven years that it's on. And because Lorelai is an adult and mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes has been very successful in having a child, building a career, raising that child, making a life. She's been very successful, but in some emotional ways has not grown up and in fact has a hard time having relationships with men throughout the series. And, and then her daughter is going through the same thing. So 
The fighting is probably something they need to do on occasion so that they both can grow up and move on to, you know, their post-living-together life, which yeah. has to happen. Children grow up and move move out. They have to yeah. do that. So, um, so I think that's a very interesting line that they throw in there. So the fight is still not resolved, but they do have to do the first dinner. Uh, with Emily and Richard, uh, because, you know, Lorelai did put her foot down and is insisting that Rory still go to Shilton, even if she doesn't want to. Uh, and mm-hmm. the condition of that is dinner with the grandparents, Emily and Richard. Um, so they go to Emily and Richard's house, and uh, Emily lets them in, and... Lorelai has another cup of coffee in her hand, which Emily <laughs> offers to throw away from for her, and uh, Lorelai says, oh, I can do it, and tries to throw it in the, what appears to be a trash can just inside the door, but Emily says, no, you need to take it to the one in the kitchen, because I guess this is a decorative trash can. Lorelai pretends to agree, but then just waits for Emily to walk away and throws it in the empty decorative trash can anyway. And that's a that's another visual gag, and they have a lot of recurring um, visual gags in, in the show, like Miss, what is her name with the dance, the dance teacher? Miss Patty. Miss Patty is a visual gag. Yes. And Rory having, or not Rory, Lorelai having a constant cup of coffee in her yeah. hands is a visual gag. And and then just the, the difference in how she and her mother, you know, this is a constant setup of the, the, the difference, how they, how they approach life. Yeah. Emily's very, um, very formal. Yes. And Lorelai is the exact polar opposite. She is the opposite of formal. She is as casual as they come. Yeah. So. So they go into the sitting room and we get a repeat of the same joke from before. Emily says, champagne, every- anyone? It's not every day I have my girls here on a day the banks are open. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. But then they also give... Rory, a glass of champagne, and she's 16. Does yeah. anybody but me notice that? Because I was like, really? She's 16. <laughs> I mean, it is only a flute, so it's not a lot of alcohol. And I, I kind of yeah. feel like this is sort of a normal rich person thing. I think it is. I think that's the point. Yeah. yeah to just, you know, rich people are day drinkers. <laughs> <laughs> Champagne day drinkers. Yes. So then- and, and the other thing about that that scene when they get there is that Emily does not hug either one of them. No. So they they get to the door, they walk in. There are no hugs for mm-hmm. the daughter and the granddaughter from Emily. And th- and the other thing we should point out here is that they are all three of them the Gilmore girls. So when we talk about the Gilmore girls, we're not just talking about Rory and Laura. Like we're also talking yes. about Emily. She is the third Gilmore girl. Yeah. And I I was instantly amazed that there was no hug. Yeah. You know, she hasn't seen them in months. Well, she's seen Lorelai just the other day, but she hasn't seen Rory in months, and she didn't hug her. Yeah. So there's just a very formality. I don't don't think she hugged Lorelai in the earlier scene either. No, no, she didn't. In fact, she was kind of disgusted to see her. So, yeah. Not disgusted. That's not the right word. She was just, yeah, it wasn't wasn't warm. Confused for sure and not excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so then we get the dinner and this is where we kind of start to see why Lorelai didn't want to do this. Um and interestingly, it's it's not Emily, it's Richard who kind of immediately comes off as a jerk. Uh, I mean, they're both a little there's definitely some awkwardness right off the bat 
Emily tries to uh, make a toast, a toast to Rory's education, saying that education is the second most important thing after family. And hmm. Lorelai says, M pie as a joke, <laughs> and it falls totally flat. Emily and Richard just stare at her in response. And then they move into the formal dining room where their kitchen help person, I'm not sure if she's a chef, but they have this hired help person who has prepared this lavish meal of, I think it's lamb and potatoes. Mm. And, you know, Emily's asking how the lamb is and Rory says it's fine. Lorelai tries to mention something that happened at the inn recently or says that, you know, things at the inn are going really well. And Richard immediately takes the opportunity to be a real jerk. He says, uh, speaking of which, Christopher is doing really well. His internet startup is going to go public next week. And Lorelai is like, speaking of which, how is that a speaking of which? Uh, and this is where we learn that Christopher is the name of Rory's father. Christopher is the boy that got Lorelai pregnant at 16. They chose not to get married. And apparently Richard uh, and Emily are still not okay with their decision not to get married. It does, in fact, seem... I mean, they're obviously not pleased with the fact that she got pregnant. But it seems like a big part of their contention here is the fact that Lorelai and Christopher chose not to get married. Um, that Lorelai, or that, that Lorelai chose not to marry Christopher. I think yes. Christopher would have married her. And this actually comes out, the scene kind of moves into the kitchen. I can't remember why Lorelai goes in there, but she gets very, very frustrated by the conversation oh, at the dinner table. She goes in there because she, Richard straight up insults her. <laughs> yeah, he insults her. So she goes into um, the kitchen. Emily follows her, and they have a fight and it gets loud and the whole story that is the scene where the whole story comes out yes Lorelai got pregnant she did not want to marry Christopher she didn't she did not want to ruin his life and she yeah. says that I want to you, you know this 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 man that you think is is successful he wouldn't be that successful man with a startup if we had gotten married at 16 or maybe this happens at the dinner table I don't remember but one of them it, it happens it, in the it kitchen might have been rich it happens in the kitchen Emily says um but but your father would have found a place for him at, at the, the at insurance the company, company. You know, the insurance company, the bank or whatever. And 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 Lorelai says that's what you wanted for him. That wasn't what he wanted for himself. Yeah. And so this this fight happens, and it comes out that you know she says, I, I, I is it is it Lorelai that says we will be here every Friday night because you were paying for you know paying the tuition. Or whatever, and anyway, it comes out. She, she says something like, Rory's, "Is this is this what it's going to be like?" That's what, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll come here, and you guys will insult me in exchange for you paying for the school, the tuition, and, and they are speaking so loudly that Rory can hear it in the yeah. dining room, and the, it's the reveal. So the and uh, the comment that sets that off is um, Richard says something like, "Christopher is so smart, Rory. That must be where you get it." That's what he said. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine a father saying that about his daughter? Yeah, it's so and rude. And it, it's cruel. Yeah. It, that's why I said earlier that he is cruel, whereas, I mean, Emily's critical, but she's not cruel. She's mm -hmm. loving. He does not come across, it's almost like he hates his daughter at this point. He does not come across as a loving father. I'm not sure that he, that we ever see him completely 
set that aside throughout yeah. the entire series. He's always this curmudgeon who wants it his way. And yeah. that's boy, the way both of them are. Richard and Emily both, they're mad at their daughter because she did not do what they wanted her to do. Yes. They can't be proud of her success because it wasn't the success they wanted yeah. her to have. Yeah. And, that, that, and what they wanted for her was uh, a traditional upper class, you know, marry one of the other Brahmins, have mm-hmm. babies, go to clubs and yep. play. What is it, that game that they play? At the, um, you know, uh, be part of the social scene. What is it? Bridge? I don't know. Yeah, play bridge. That's exactly what it is. Play bridge. <laughs> Clearly I'm not an upper class woman. Um, play bridge, you know, be a volunteer, be go a to donor, lunches. support causes. Yeah, that's what, what Emily has, and that's yeah. what they wanted Lorelai to have, and she didn't want that. Yeah. She was a spitfire. She um, she was not the perfect daughter for them, but instead of appreciating who she was, they pushed her away, and then she did the ultimate bad thing by getting pregnant. Well, semi, uh, semi-ultimate. Yeah. <laughs> Pentultimate, because the ultimate was not marrying Christopher. Yeah. And having the life that they wanted for her. Yeah, yeah, the, the suggestion of this scene is definitely that the real sin was that she did not get married when she got pregnant. What, Emil- mm-hmm. what Emily says is, when you get pregnant, you get married. That's just what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And she didn't want that. And, you know, the fact that she went off and has really made something of her life, she, you know, uh, Emily says something about, like, you, you went off and became a maid, and Lorelai says, yes, I became a maid, and then I worked my way up, and now I run that place. Uh, and mm-hmm. it does not matter to them, because she's still not married, and specifically, she's still not married to the father of her child, and also specifically, she's still not married to a wealthy man from an old money family. Uh, in their circle. Yes. In, in, their, in their social circle, yeah. Part of and why they wanted her to marry Christopher specifically is because right. he, he is from the same kind of family that they are. He's in the social circle. And, you know, the, when she, she talks about how she worked her way up, that's another way that we have, what we have in common with them is I did too. I was the first college, uh, first uh, in my family, what is that called? <laughs> to first, go to college. First college so, graduate. First generation college graduate. Yeah. And it took me seven years to get to college. So I really, when she talks about how hard it was that she worked her way up to get into this man's position, and she's taking classes. Yeah. She's getting her bachelor's degree. It's taken her a long time because she's got a child to raise, and and, a, and she's got a full-time job, and friends, and she's got a, a, a whole social, she's got her own social community in her town that isn't the one that her parents wanted for her, but she has worked really hard and continues to work really hard, and I really relate to that. So I think that that's another way, one of the reasons that, you know, we both related to the Gilmore Girls is yeah. that even though uh, Lorelai is much younger than I was when we were watching it, and, you know, because I didn't have you at 16. <laughs> that's, another, that's another difference. I did not have you at 16, and I did have you when I was married yeah. at 30. So there, that's a huge difference, too. But otherwise, this is, this is another thing we have in common is that uh, being a single parent, having to work really hard, sometimes working two jobs, and, I, and so... She has really, really done an amazing job with her life, and they don't appreciate any of that. Yeah. Especially Richard. Emily might, but it's still not what she wanted for her, so it's going to take her a long time 
uh, to get to a point where she accepts it. Yeah. But the two things about the dinner, too, two more things, is one is that Richard says she's tall. Yes. And I did notice when he said that, that all the Gilmore girls are tall. Yeah. And, <laughs> which was funny, because you and I are not. There's another yeah. difference. We're both <laughs> yeah. really short. Very short. <laughs> so yeah. when, when somebody points out that somebody's tall, I noticed that comment. Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting comment for him to make. Uh, but the other thing is, when they're sitting in the living room, and Lorelai and Emily are bickering on the couch, Richard ha- takes part of the newspaper and, and kind of, very quietly hands it over to Emily. To and Rory. It's such a significant, uh, to, to Rory, sorry, thank you. Uh, it's just such a significant visual thing yeah. that it ends up in the opening credits of the show. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's a, he respects her. And the thing is, how does he respect her and not her mother? Yeah. So I think that there's an implication there that he does respect his daughter, Lorelai, but he just can't get past his own childlike anger yeah and i think that that is the beginning of something i think we're we're gonna see rory and richard's relationship uh evolve over time but that moment Mm -hmm. is a small moment Mm -hmm. but it is significant Mm -hmm. it's kind of a almost like an olive branch like a visual olive branch over to rory not to Mm lorelei but to rory to rory Uh, yeah and and the, the the final my final take on this last scene is, you know, other than the fact that it's just a really, really important scene for for the entire series, is that it once again reunifies Lorelai and Rory, and they realize that they they have to stay unified against the grandparents. Yes. And so when they come away from that, the fight is gone. Rory knows the truth. You know, it's been it's been. She, she's been, Lorelai's been outed. Yeah. Um, so in the final scene, Lorelai says, so tell me about the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, when, um, when Rory overhears about the money, she pretty much immediately changes her mind because she realizes what her mother is sacrificing, that her mother had has, to go through. Yeah. has subjected herself to this awful night on an ongoing basis so that mm-hmm. Rory can go to this school and it kind of, puts everything into perspective, puts her back on the right track, and she she changes her mind and decides she does want to go to Chilton after all. Uh, and so they go to Luke's again. They end at Luke's, even after that incredibly, like, uncomfortable but lavish meal at their parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they go to Luke's, and they both order coffee, and Rory also orders chili fries. And Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that look delicious. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Luke reluctantly brings them over. Uh, but at the last minute, he, he says, I can't help it. This is so unhealthy. Rory, put down that cup of coffee. You do not want to grow up to be like your mom. And she looks at her mom and says, sorry, too late. Yeah. It's sweet. It's a very sweet scene. It is a very sweet oh, scene. Oh, man. They, and so they, there's a lot of bonding in that scene. There's a lot of bonding throughout the whole show. Yeah. So when Lorelai says to her, so talking about the guy, her response is, Rory's response is, you really understand boundaries. <laughs> yeah. and that's, and that's, that's an important comment. It's not just funny. Coming from a 16-year-old, that's pretty, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty amazing. But Lorelai does, Lorelai does not understand any boundaries ever. No. There are no, no boundaries. Especially <laughs> when will. it comes to Rory. 
Especially when it comes from, but to everything, it's what it's what makes her a good businesswoman. Yeah, it's what makes her a good mother, mm-hmm. and it's what makes her a really good friend to all the people that she's friends with in this town, and and a good family member because this town for her has supported her emotionally, and she that's her that's her real family. She's got a biological family that she does not relate to very well, and that she has had she's in the this first episode is setting up that she's going to have to throw herself back into her bio family. Yeah. But her real family is her chosen one. It's this town. And uh, and her not understanding boundaries is how <laughs> she is so good with people. Yeah. The people in the town. Yeah. Also, it's, it's a town of people who don't understand Don't boundaries. understand boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But none of them do. None uh, of them. That's why the gossip thing is such a big thing. <laughs> Before we finish, are we finished with the with the scene uh, by scene thing? I guess, boy, I'm not sure how important this is, but we do get a a little bit of insight into Luke in this scene, mainly because um, when he shows up to take their order, he's wearing a collared shirt, and Lorelai notices this and tells him that he looks nice, and he explains that he had to go to the bank today, and they like collars there. Uh, so just sort of yeah. a, a quick little moment to kind of underline that Luke does not normally dress this way. He normally dresses Mm-mm. the way we saw him earlier, with a backwards hat and maybe a t-shirt, maybe a plaid shirt, but in a very mm-hmm. kind of kind of like coded working class sort of outfit. Comfy mm-hmm. clothes that you can wear to do potentially dirty work in. You know, he he's in a, he, a diner He's a type. Day. Yeah, he's a he's type. He's a type. Sure. He, he wears the... the, the the uh, hat backwards. Yeah. You know, he's always got like a, a plaid. Uh, it's like, I can't even, it's a type. Although, he's although he is a, a little bit of a subversion of the type because uh, he's so into healthy food. And usually mm. this type is not really, he's kind of a, it's a kind of a masculine type. And mm-hmm. usually that masculine type, it, you know, goes along with someone who wants to eat a lot of like red meat and that kind serves. of food, he which serves. he does, he does serve, <laughs> but he himself eats healthy. And specifically, one of his lines in this episode is, "Red meat can kill you." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> After uh, he's just served them, so, yeah. uh, is it chili on the fries? Yeah. Or no, yeah. no burgers. They were eating burgers. The, the burgers. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think he's an outright vegetarian, but he's he's definitely more in the Mrs. Kim camp of eating healthy food. He eats salads. He eats mm-hmm. vegetables. So he's, for the most part, he's this kind of masculine, curmudgeon, like, working class guy. But the the little, like, twist there is, despite this, despite all of that type and despite the fact that he owns a diner, he himself prefers to eat healthy. Well, and in this last scene, too, he's not just got a collared shirt on. He's not wearing the hat. Yeah. And you can see that this, he's gorgeous. Yeah. And we were, I mean, it's kind of hinted at earlier, but he is really attractive. And, and Lorelai gets that for a couple seconds. Yeah, she, she sees, sees him it. as attractive for a few seconds. And that comes up again later on when he, in another, is it the second episode? Yeah, I think he, we'll get she, into that yeah, a bit in the okay. second episode. Uh, we'll yeah. get into that later. Okay. I'm mean, trying not to. Here's the. Here's we should say this. We are trying not to get ahead of ourselves. Yes, it's hard to do because we've seen the whole show. Yeah, and it's very easy to say, "Oh, this happens." Oh, wait, no, that doesn't happen to the fifth season. Yeah. So, so we're, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We cannot guarantee absolutely no spoilers in this podcast. We may 
slip up. But if we slip up too bad, I will cut it from the episode. For the most part, we are going to try to not spoil big things. We may accidentally occasionally reference a character who hasn't shown up yet, but we're definitely going to try not to spoil any major big events. And for the most part, we're going to try to avoid spoilers as much as we can. We we may occasionally, like I said, reference someone who hasn't shown up yet or say like a small thing. Accidentally. Yes, accidentally. Accidentally. But we're going to try our very best to keep things spoiler free here for anyone who hasn't seen the show before and maybe wants to watch along. Yeah. yeah, So that's uh, that was my note about Luke. We end with uh, a shot of Lorelai and Rory eating in the diner the camera kind of uh, shows them from the outside and pulls away i think it might actually be the ending shot from the opening credits so i think that wraps us up for the episode do you have any final thoughts just a few things on the characters you know i i, I do agree with you that luke is is an interesting a mixed bag of stuff because he is this guy who runs a diner and yet he eats pretty healthy I think the show is about love. I think it's okay to say that now, even though we're trying not to foreshadow or or give any spoilers. (laughs) Kim loves Lane. She wants the best for her. Emily loves Lorelai and Rory. That's why she wants them back in her life. Lorelai loves Rory and Suki mothers them both. So it's about love, how it defines us, how it limits us, how it uplifts us, how it connects us. And the love of the town, I think, is is, is important there. Music and popular culture are also very important themes in in the show. They're not just things that happen... As reference, cultural references. I think they're really, they're really important. Music is a, a very important thing in the show consistently. Um, you know, the whole Macy Gray thing. And Lane, it wants to be a musician. Yeah. You know, she loves, she loves rock music. She loves punk rock <laughs> specifically. Yeah. She has a passion for music. And the Carol King song is very important, which we're not going to be able to play probably on in our podcast because it is very expensive to play yeah. a licensed. But it's the uh, opening song. theme song. The opening theme song is uh, "Where You Lead." Is the yeah. name of it, and and that is what our podcast is called, "Where You Lead." So, but music is an important part of it. Cultural references, and you know, I wonder if that relates to to the fact that Lorelai and Rory are so close in age. That could that could be why they're only sixteen years apart. That's really not that big a gap. Yeah. So they're growing up together, and that that may be part of the cultural references that they they they've grown up together. They're continuing to grow up together, and. And, you know, we will see later on that they, she, Lorelai has to let go. Yeah. And so part of the, what's going on here is they've had this really tight-knit, close relationship. And as the show progresses, Lorelai has to let Rory go. She has to let her grow up. Yeah. At the same time as she's kind of building some kind of relationship with her parents because she's got to get through these Friday night dinners <laughs> with her sanity intact. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I guess... So, my final note is mainly just since, like, we, we talked about Suki a number of times, and neither of us mentioned that Suki is played by Melissa McCarthy. Um, oh, my God, we didn't say that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was kind she's of She's, like, the, the biggest star in this yeah, show. <laughs> yeah, like, post after this show, Melissa McCarthy was kind of the one who went on to have the biggest career, um, and this was kind now, of her start. Stepping back, Edward Herman was a big star before this show True. was made. He is a huge star. So the two names from this show that just about anybody of any generation probably would recognize are Edward Herman, for my generation and older, I think, and then and then Melissa McCarthy. All yeah. you know, 
everybody who's alive today, if you don't know who she is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and I mean, this was her start. Mul- multiple of these actors have gone on to do more things. I-, I would just say that I think Melissa McCarthy is probably at this point the most famous of the mm-hmm. former uh, cast members. Oh, yeah. On the show. And Absolutely. she's wonderful. I, I, I love Melissa McCarthy. She's great in this show. She really brings Suki to life. And Suki is one of my favorite parts of the show, for sure. And I think it says something about her as an actress that we completely forgot to mention it. Because <laughs> yeah. she is, she gets so into the character. Yeah. We're watching this and we're not seeing Melissa McCarthy. We're seeing Suki. We're seeing Suki. And yeah. is, is, is she really the one that was in Bridesmaids? Is that the name of the movie? That yes, she was yeah. In? Yeah, she was and in Bridesmaids. She's a crazy character that, yeah. in that movie. <laughs> and, and it's like, wow, that's the same actress. And it's a very, it's a very different <laughs> character. The character that she plays in that movie is like, it is slapsticky, but in a completely different way. It's like this kind of. She's intense. Like, yeah, this kind of almost masculine, like, butch yes. persona. And uh-huh. this kind of, uh, I mean, in in a lot of ways, it's just uh, like her character in Bridesmaids is just like less traditionally feminine. Uh, Suki, while a little crazy, has a very feminine presentation. She's got her yes. hair in braids. She's very pretty. And she's, you know, just as into the girly things that Lorelai and Rory yeah. are into. So it's, it's a well, very different character. Uh, but I'm glad you brought it up because it's yeah. very important. <laughs> yeah, I just thought, well, <laughs> very important. While we're mentioning people, we should probably yeah. mention. We should probably mention this. That's yeah, Melissa she's a big McCarthy. star. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I think that's pretty much, uh, I think that covers all of my notes. Anything else on your end? No, I'm good. We'll see you at the next episode. All right, cool. So, yeah, I'm Tessa Dare. You can find me at my website, tessadare.com. That's T E S S. A-D-A-I-R dot com. Uh, or you can follow me on Instagram at author dot Tess dot Adair. Okay. Um, I'm Beth Von Baron. You can find me on Instagram as well at STL underscore writer underscore Beth. And the STL is for St. Louis because we didn't mention this, but I live in St. Louis and Sarah lives in Seattle. I'm also on Facebook at Beth Von Baron Writer. And that's V as in Victor, O-N, B as in boy, E-H-R-E-N, Writer. Uh, I'm not sure we'll have to do this on the in subsequent episodes to spell our names <laughs> out. Maybe people will remember it. I don't know. But this has been Where You Lead, a mother-daughter podcast about the Gilmore Girls. We'll see you next time. Yep, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.